Mackerel Podcast number 417 for July 23rd, 2014, brought to you by Citrix's ShareFile. Enhance your workflow and send files of almost any size easily and securely. Lynda.com. Learn Apple software, the latest technologies, creative skills, and more from easy-to-follow video tutorials at lynda.com slash macworld and Betterment, the most popular automated investment service with over 36,000 customers. Welcome back to another episode of the Macworld Podcast. I'm Chris Breen, and of course, with me is... Serenity Caldwell. Hello, Chris. Hello, Ren. How are you? Not too bad. Good. It's actually really nice in Boston this week. I feel like at the beginning, you know, we have to cover weather. Yeah. I've done it for the past, like, five weeks, so why not consider? We'll just or continue weather again. <laughs> yeah. Sure. It's, it's still nice here. It's always nice where you live. It's always In your nice. land of beaches. It is. It's the land of beaches. And if you don't understand that, you could follow me at Body of Breen, and you'll find out, and then you will quickly <laughs> unfollow me at Body of Breen, because what does this guy talk about? About his walks on the beach. So, They're very nice walks on the beach. They are very nice walks on the beach. I mean, if you're here, you might as well exploit it. Um, we have things other than walks on the beach to talk about this week. Um, because Well, you weren't here last week. Um, this thing happened where Apple and IBM got together. And uh, we did not have time to comment on that because we'd recorded it before the announcement came out. So I thought this week we ought to say something about it. Um, generally, this is an enterprise-level announcement. Um What's interesting to some people is that years and years and years ago, like at the beginning of the Macintosh, IBM was the bad company. Apple was good. IBM was represented on screen and you threw hammers at the screen and smashed it. IBM was big brother and Apple was just a scrappy little fighter trying to get rid of IBM. And now um, Apple is in a way in bed with the company and for reasons that I believe are perfectly reasonable. But, but um, what do you know and what do you think about the uh, this deal? I uh, I actually think, despite the uh, ridiculously obtuse press release that was put out for it last week, um, it's a really good move because Apple. I mean, Apple touts its business uh, integration um, and has been for the last couple years at its keynotes being like, oh, you know, ninety percent of the Fortune five hundred companies are using iPhones and iPads, and that's a really awesome statistic. Um, but as a company, Apple is primarily consumer focused and they really, you know, their marketing, their their general ideas are tend to go more towards the consumer market. And then there's this like little sliver of pro, pro and business markets that they occasionally pay attention to. Um, and on the uh, on the business side, uh, I, having a partnership with IBM will be really, really great for them. In order for uh, for them to kind of uh, build that uh, build that out a little bit, IBM is going to be creating some uh, some specific iOS uh, business applications, uh, which is going to be really really nice for people who, again, in the Fortune 500 companies and in companies that maybe or in companies that need uh, specific specific apps for their uh, for their development and don't necessarily have the money or the resources to hire an in-house development team to do like whatever specific thing that they want um, it's in general I just think it's another it's another step towards getting the iPad even more firmly entrenched in the business world especially given that you know our buddy Microsoft is uh, is in the process of rejiggering what they want to focus on um, so it makes sense that uh, Apple might want to, you know, shore up their defenses on that side. Yeah, I think that's true. I, something that a lot of people probably who listen to this podcast don't care about is so much as the business side, because 
we tend to have consumer focused uh, listeners and, and readers. And so they care about, you know, what's the new cool apps on here? What's happening in the new version of the iOS? But it's, there is a huge battle going on right now because it used to be that in the enterprise, it was BlackBerry. They owned the enterprise. IT loved them. Uh, they had lots of good security built in. Uh, they were very manageable from a central source, such as your IT department. They're gone in all but name. So that leaves who? That leaves Apple. That leaves Android and sort of Windows Phone, although I don't think they can get it together in time to really make an impact. So really, we're talking about Google, Android versus Apple. Apple would love to own that market. What has happened in the business world for a while now is that IT has been resistant to iOS, but not all that much more accepting of of Android, really, they know BlackBerry, and that's what they'd like to keep doing, but they obviously can't do that anymore. But what's been happening is the people at the C-level, the CEOs, CTOs, CFOs, have come in with their iOS devices and said, I want this to work, and you make it work, IT department. And then they go, oh, yeah, okay, fine, we will. Um, if you're farther down the food chain, not necessarily. They go, well, we'd really like to use our – no, you may not use your iPhone. Um so this is a huge market, and Apple's making a play for it. And to do that, you have to convince IT to implement. You have to convince them that your platform is more secure, that it's more manageable, and that you're going to have something like IBM server technology behind it, as well as IBM's tools, so that you can manage for the enterprise, at which point IT buys in and says, okay, fine, this is going to be our solution. They want to do one thing. They don't want to do iOS and Android and Windows Phone, they want one solution that's going to work for them, that's secure, and go forward with it. So this is a big deal. Not a, Again, maybe not to a lot of people listening here, unless you're working for a Fortune 500 company where you can bring your iPad or iPhone in and say, okay, can I use it now? <laughs> and say, okay, uh, well, soon you will be able to because of the soon. tools we're going to have. Um, but big deal. I think big deal. Very big deal. Absolutely. And, you know, I was mocking the press release a little bit, um, but it is it's, you know, designed to that segment of the market. It's saying like, hey, guys, you want you want Apple to put on a, a tie and a suit and, and look real snappy. Guess what? IBM's your person for that. Yeah. And, I, and that's that's vital to the growth of the platform, because it isn't just that people use one kind of device for business and another kind of device for the rest of their life. It's it's one device. So they want to be able to bring their own devices in and say, make this work. And it would be great if IT on the other end said, yep, Apple and IBM have provided us with the tools to make this happen. This also gives IBM uh, one step ahead in the line to get their stuff approved. If they've got a partnership with Apple, they can work together with Apple to make things happen versus some other third-party developer, maybe it's Oracle or some other company like that, where it's just like, yeah, stand in line and we'll let you know if we're going to give you access to some of these APIs that we reserve for ourselves. Now we're going to reserve them for ourselves and a segment of them are going to be reserved for IBM. Yeah. I think that's it'll it'll be a really a really good move forward for them in the business community and I'm I'm interested to see how it shakes out. Yeah, especially in the next couple of years. And, and this mm. may have a side effect for education as well. I don't know if you follow deployment very much on these things, but if you read Fraser Spears stuff and and other people in education trying to deploy apps and control a bunch of apps using the tools that we currently have especially the ones issued by Apple is really difficult. Um, hopefully this provides one stop solution that in the next year or so we're going to see 
a tool that will allow people, both in education and business, to be able to um, distribute apps and control um, iOS devices easily versus what they have to go through now, which I've, I've talked to people in IT and who know this stuff and still say it's really, really difficult now to do this. So um, let's hope that that gets easier. Agreed. And there there are some hints of that in uh, the upcoming iOS software. There's a whole big section dedicated to easier advancements in, in business and education markets. So com- that combined with the IBM deal, hopefully that'll make things even easier for, for our friends in education. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I think you're right. I think Apple gets that. They understand what the tools are like there. And, and they have people inside are saying this can be easier. Let's make this easier. And to do that, let's make this kind of deal. Um, before we move on to our next subject, let's hear a little bit about Citrix's share file, which allows you to enhance your workflow and send files of almost any size easily and securely. At work, we send countless emails all day long to communicate with clients and coworkers. And most of the time, we attach files for reference or review, things like contracts and spreadsheets and presentations. But sending them as regular email attachments is not the way to do it anymore. And that's why you should use Citrix's share file. It's the business solution that allows you to exchange files quickly and securely. With ShareFile, your attachments are sent at secure links. So you can send files of almost any size. We're talking about 5 gigabytes in size. You can control who has access and the levels of permission that they have. And you can confirm when files are received with tracking and email alerts. Plus, ShareFile is really easy. Access your files anywhere at any time. Create shared folders that sync automatically across your computers and mobile devices. Now, I use ShareFile, particularly when I'm sending large media files, these podcast files, for example, to a colleague. I don't have to worry about the limits on an email gateway, and I know exactly when the person on the other end has accessed the file. That kind of thing is imperative in my workflow. You can try ShareFile as well. Do it today with a 30-day free trial. There's no obligation. Go to ShareFile.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and enter Macworld. Remember, visit sharefile.com and type in Macworld. Uh, so speaking of, uh, of getting work done on iOS devices, yes. uh, Tim Cook, as, a, as part of sort of this whole, this whole discussion, was recently quoted saying that he does 80% plus work on his iPad. Um, and that, uh, that led us to do a little bit of thinking and, you know, our, our colleague, Dan Miller, our fearless leader, um, decided to go around and chat with, uh, with all of us about like how, how much work do, can we legitimately do on an iPad? Um, you know, as, as members of Macworld and PC World and TechHive and, and how, how feasible is the iPad really for, for business work? And there's a variety of responses. I mean, Chris, you talked a lot about the, the CMS and how that was a little, little bit tricky nowadays. Yeah, um, I was fortunate because uh, he did it alphabetically, so I got to put mine in first. Uh, other, all of the complaining, uh, right? Front all, center. The, all the other, right up front. The other editors had the same kind of issues that I did, but you know, I got to put my bit in first. Yeah, we have a content management system, as you know, any any website or, or magazine does. And these things are arcane. You can buy them off the shelf and they're arcane. You can build it yourself and they're arcane. It doesn't matter what you do. They're very much vertical market stuff and they can be complicated even on a computer and ours is. Um, to try to do any of that on mobile is impossible. So granted, we breathe sort of rarefied air in regards to the kind of work we do. But the other things we do where we write a lot, which you can easily do on an iPad if you have an external keyboard. I'm not big on using the, the uh, built-in keyboard. 
Um, communications between ourselves, we can do that. Um, producing this podcast, for example, would be a real pain. It's yeah. <laughs> uh, it's possible. It's doable. I, yeah, it's but... all doable. <laughs> right. There's, I think there are a lot of things that you can do with these devices where you have that it's doable, but. And then if you have another tool like a computer that it's easier to do. Um, on the other side, there's Tim Cook, who, as CEO, he's not coding. Um, he's not probably producing podcasts or videos, except for personal pleasure. Uh, he's probably reading a lot. People send him reports and he's going through spreadsheets and that kind of thing and yeah he could easily do that he could spend 80 percent of his time running apple on an ipad um so the i think some of the comments back to us were well yeah but you're in a very particular kind of business so i'll, I'll flip it back to you if you weren't in our sort of business how how much of a business tool do you think the ipad is yeah, I mean, I really do think it varies depending on the type of business. Uh, before I worked at Macworld, I worked at uh, my friend's uh, webcomic merchandising company, Tapatico. And um, we, pre-iPad, I, I worked there um, from 2009 to 2010. Um, and before the iPad was released, we, um, we had to take inventory and we had a digital inventory system. And we basically put um, like a little tiny Chromebook or tiny laptop, I guess it was pre-Chromebooks at that point, um, on a little cart and then rolled it through line by line, hand counting stuff. And it was very tedious and the, the, the book was very slow. Um, and in, when the iPad came out, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just try something. Um, and I brought the iPad to the warehouse and I tried running our, our online uh inventory software on it. And it wasn't perfect because it's a web-based system and, you know, uh, the original iPad and forms were not the best of friends. Uh, but it was a lot more portable than rolling the cart around and bringing it place by place by place. And in addition to that, the iPad quickly became sort of a secondary device for us that when we were like folding t-shirts, we could put on Netflix or something like that. So instead of just, you know, zoning out, listening to podcasts while folding t-shirts, there was video and, and it was easily positionable and, you know, it is. So just as sort of a like, this is a completely different market than what I'm in right now. But, um, but that was really useful. And um, I do think that, like, depending on the type of business and depending on the software that you have at your disposal for working at that business, uh, it's it's a lot more doable to do your quote unquote work on the iPad. Um, and it also depends. Like, some people associate work as twenty, you know, your twelve to twenty four hour usage of an iPad, and not just like your seven or eight hours that you're doing for your job. So it really, personally, I think it depends on the on on what you're doing. Um, for for some for some areas, the iPad may be far superior to carrying around a laptop or sitting at a desktop working. Uh, in other areas, maybe not quite there yet. Yeah, I th I think there's certainly if you look at kind of jobs where you have to be on the go, an iPad could be a terrific resource. Uh, medical, if if you're a doctor jumping from office from room to room, that could be really helpful. Although still, a lot of clinics have the computer in there, and so they're typing their stuff in, and then they go. It seems to me, with the right software, you can just go bang, 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 bang on the iPad or your iPhone, and then move on to the next room. And I think Apple is is pushing those kinds of things. Real estate makes a ton of sense to be able to quickly take shots of a home that you're you're going to sell. Um, 
be able to throw that on a website very quickly helps. Anything where there's lists involved is going to help a lot. Um, but I think a lot of people, when they look at this, they think, well, let's compare traditional work you know, on a computer where you're sitting at a desk and you're doing sort of office kind of work to an iPad. Well, in a lot of cases, the computer is going to win out because you have more re- screen, real, screen real estate. So if you're working on big spreadsheets, it's easier to do that on a computer. Um, in the case where you're editing small bits of things, your finger is not the most precise pointer. Sometimes it's easier to use a mouse for that sort of thing. Um, but as you say, there are kinds of businesses that adapt themselves to a mobile platform and others that don't so much. In our case, I think we probably lean toward less so than more so. But there are certainly people who could make the argument, no, my business could easily be done 90% on an iPad. Yeah. Um, and I think we'll see that increase as sort of the the years roll on. Tablet, you know, again, it's when you look at Apple's core goal with the upcoming versions of OS X and iOS, the, they're really preaching about, you know, the right device for the right space. And I think this is, this is another part of that discussion where, like, Tim Cook can do 80% plus of the work on his iPad because for him, the iPad is the right device for the right space. For someone else, it may not be. Yeah, and I think maybe the message for all of this is that when people, some people read a piece like like this one, they say, "Oh, well, you know, therefore the iPad is just a toy; it's just for consuming." But really, I think it's a device for your life, and sometimes part of your life is work, and some of it is not work. And I find that I tend to do a lot of stuff on my iPad, and it's a mix. There's certain work things I do, and there's certain play things I do, but I don't think about always sitting at my computer. I, my office is downstairs. I live upstairs. I don't come down here anymore after hours and do stuff on my computer. I do it all on my iPad because the jobs I can do can easily be done up there. I don't need to make the trip down the stairs because I believe that's aerobic and I try to avoid that whenever <laughs> possible. You're a writer, Chris. Who needs exercise aside exactly. from your beach walks? Exactly. Exactly <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I think we've ground that one into the ground. So, um... Let's talk about lynda.com, and then we'll come back and talk about Europe, because uh, that's where the history comes from. Whether you want to get tips on the latest online tools, learn how to use Photoshop, or even improve your Excel skills, lynda.com is the goods. It offers over 2,000 high-quality and engaging video courses on a variety of topics taught by industry experts, with courses added daily. They offer a wide breadth of courses from beginning to advanced Videos include animations and, in some cases, diagrams, and it's easy to find what you need. And all it costs is a low monthly price of $25, and that provides unlimited access to the entire course library. For any software you might rely on, and that includes Microsoft Office, Adobe Creative Cloud, Final Cut Pro, Logic Pro, and more, lynda.com can help you stay current with product updates and learn all the ins and outs of your software tools to be more efficient and productive in your professional or even in your personal life. Lynda.com has just released a new iPhone and iPad app for iOS 7, and the iOS app includes a more visual, intuitive interface, and it offers offline course and video viewing, which makes it easy and convenient to learn even in environments where you don't have internet access. As a Lynda.com author, I have access to the library, and I find it an invaluable resource when I need to learn about subjects I'm not otherwise familiar with. I've been spending a lot of time with Linda's Logic Pro 10 and Final Cut Pro 10 videos, as well as Ben Long's photography courses, which I find invaluable, and I'm getting to be a better shooter because of it. 
Now, sometimes I'll work my way all the way through an entire course, and others I'll tune into a specific movie that helps me with a particular skill. Either way, it's a great experience. As a user of Apple products, you'll find the following courses particularly helpful. Unix for Mac OS X users, Logic Pro 10 Essential Training, Final Cut Pro 10 Essential Training, iMovie 11 Essential Training, Photoshop CC Essential Training, Excel 2013 Essential Training, iOS 7, iPhone, and iPad Essential Training, and my very own iPad Tips and Tricks and iPad for Business. You owe it to yourself to check it out. And you can do that for free for seven days by visiting lynda.com slash macworld. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com forward slash Macworld to start your seven-day free trial. Okay, speaking of Europe and the European Commission, uh, last week they sent a message off to Apple and Google and they said, hey, how about if you clean up this uh, in-app purchase problem that we all seem to be having here? And we've, we've had lawsuits here in the U.S. about it. And the idea basically is you've got an iOS device your kid gets hold of it because they want to use it too, because it's fun to do stuff on there. And they've downloaded supposedly a quote unquote free game. And uh, before you know it, a little thing pops up and says, hey, you know, you could do this more easily if you add 400 more gold. Just tap here and you will have your 400 more gold. And if you're young enough, you don't realize that means you have somebody's paying for that 400 more gold. Um, and European Union is saying, you know, there's just too much of this happening and we'd like you to do something about it. Google has basically said, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll do something about that. Apple has kind of said though, well, you know, we have said in-app purchase and what more do you want us to do? So, um, what do you think? Well, I mean, on one hand, I think that the European Commission is doing a good thing because obviously, you know, you don't want your children to accidentally rack up bills of billions of dollars. Uh, but at the same time, Apple has done quite a bit in this arena, you know. I mean, when they when this whole frou-frou came about uh, a couple of years ago, there were definitely some problems. I mean, it, it used to be fairly easy for kids to kind of get away with uh, you put in your password and then you have the, your password kind of existing in the system for 15 minutes so your kid could just press bye 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 no problem um and there wasn't really like a confirmation screen and now we've, we've added a bunch of safeguards there are restrictions in the parental controls um apple's new family sharing uh subsection and allowances and you know there, there are a lot of new tools being put into effect um this year as well as in past years to to make it really simple and easy for kids to um, use the iPad without necessarily racking up their credit, their parents' credit card bills. Um, so I definitely like from that from that angle, I I I see where they're coming from. Um, and I don't know. It's it's a <laughs> it's a tough thing. I think Apple Apple's been beat up enough about the in-app purchase uh, bit in the news that I I see that they seem rightfully justifiably angry. I do think that they've been beat up about it, um, and I do think they've taken measures to do this. I think their response that well, you know, we, our parental controls are second to none, and that may be the case. But most people don't go into parental controls. I mean, honestly, when some a normal person picks up an iPad or, or gets an iPhone or an iPod Touch, they're not going into settings as we do. They just use it. And they don't think about, well, they're, oh, you're the kid, you want this blue meanies game? Sure, here, yeah, here you go. And just hand it over and don't think, oh, wait, uh, 15 minutes from now, you know, they've got 15-minute window to buy more stuff if they want to. 
Um, Google's response, I thought, was pretty good, where they said, okay, we're going to make sure that people understand that when this thing is labeled free, it really isn't free. It really depends on having an in-app purchase. Um, I think Apple may be able to do more of that. Yes, they added that little in-app purchase, but it's kind of in small type. Uh, I don't know that kids necessarily understand what that means. I would like to see a relabeling where basically if a game is crippled to the point where you really can't get much enjoyment out of it unless you purchase things that they remove free, that either they're required to charge a buck for it or it becomes painfully obvious that when you tap to buy something, you've got to get your parents' approval to do that. There's no free window at all. Just like you want 200 gold, go to mom or dad or whoever that has authority over this device, and they're going to have to enter their Apple ID in some way to make sure that this does, doesn't happen without their knowledge, because it is a pain if, if the big bill shows up. And plus, it saves Apple from future lawsuits where this happens again, either through the European Union or somebody somewhere else in the world. So we'll see. We'll see if they do anything about it. Yeah, it's, it's all well and good if they're like, tsk, tsk, but, you know, things actually have to happen. Yeah. Oh, and I do think that the European uh, Union Commission is on is way ahead of privacy issues more so than we are in this country. So I think in the U.S. we look at some of these moves and go, yeah, maybe that's that's more than than they should be asked to do. But generally, I'm in favor of the kind of things they're doing, because it, I do see them favoring privacy over corporations, which I think is a good thing. And um, we're going to have one more thing to talk about. But before we do that, let's hear from Betterment, which is the most popular automated investment service with over 36,000 customers. What if managing your investment portfolio was as easy as using your favorite iPhone app? It is now with Betterment, the most popular automated investment service with over 36,000 customers. Betterment is seamlessly integrated technology and years of investment expertise into one elegant application that will transform the way you invest. Betterment's UX and UI are adored by tech and design enthusiasts alike, especially since sign-up is quick and doesn't involve all the red tape of other investment providers. Their platform customizes a globally diversified portfolio based on your personal goals and time horizon. Once you've invested, everything is automated from rebalancing and tax minimization to regular deposits from your bank account. With killer technology under the hood and iPhone and Android apps to make it easy to check your progress on the go, it's hard to believe that Betterment is as low cost as it is. Investing with Betterment saves you time and money, improves your returns, and maximizes your taxes. For a limited time, Betterment is offering Macworld listeners up to six months of automated investment management for free. All you have to do is visit Betterment.com slash Macworld. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-T dot com slash Macworld. Well, the last thing we're going to talk about um, is something that I got really excited for and then uh, and then got a little tempered by. Mm. And that is the, the long-rumored Amazon Unlimited, uh, which allows you to pay Amazon $10 of your hard-earned simoleons um, for all you can read, asterisk. A month. Um, <laughs> All right, talk about the asterisk. <laughs> so the asterisk, uh, when when Amazon initially says, you know, oh, we have like over four hundred thousand titles for you to read. Congratulations! Look at these all of these books. And don't get me wrong, there are some good books in that hidden among those four thousand four hundred thousand titles. <laughs> hidden um, being the operative word. Yes, exactly. So let's you know if if 
you really need to like read all you want to reread all of the Harry Potters or you know you're, you're a big Stephen King fan or you like horror you know if you if you're into mainstream like some big mainstream titles and or if you're into really obscure independent Amazon titles um, this could be a really good deal and I haven't really so deeply perused this catalog that I can definitively say this is a great deal or this is terrible but based on sort of my my cursory look um, it look it, it's it seems like a, a nice idea and a nice start uh, but as much as I got really excited and was like oh my god yes books forever when I actually looked at what was available I was like oh this isn't actually that much more than my prime library uh, subscription and unlimited books are nice, but uh, but maybe I'll wait until the you know it it expands and the library fills a little bit more. And speaking of library, if you have a local library, you could just go there and get ebooks from their program. Um, most library most local libraries have the have an ebooks program nowadays, and you don't have to pay anything. Yeah. So there's you know there there are some there are some options here. Um, so what what do you think, Chris? Well, I think that should have a new slogan, which is Amazon Unlimited with limits. <laughs> because, it, yeah, there are some major, major publishers who are not participating in this. So it's kind of like Netflix streaming in the early days where you paid your 10 bucks a month and you looked through what they offered and it was mm, pretty spotty. There was a lot of really B-grade material in there. They, they had the occasion like, oh, I really want to watch that. A lot of times it was, oh, I've already watched that and I'm not going to watch it again. So what what else is in there? So a lot of scanning through it. Um, I do. I, I think that there will be a subscription service for books that makes sense, much as there is for, for music and, and now increasingly for video. Um, what would help, too, is if they had a service in there sort of like Goodreads where you read one book or you were interested in the first chapter of a book, you kind of went through it and said, well, I kind of like this, but I'd like something more like this. So recommendations where if you like these titles, you're going to love these titles because a lot of times you finish with a book and say, wow, I thought that was great. I don't really want to read the next book by this author, but I like this genre and this style. What do I do? A lot of times you turn it turn to Goodreads and do it that way. But if this was built into Amazon, um, because they do recommendations really well. They really do. So One of their primary strengths. Absolutely. So bring that in here and incorporate in that. Uh, in it. And actually, I haven't used the service. and Maybe that is in there somewhere. But it would be nice if at the end of the book, there was a little button there saying, show me more like this that I'm going to love. And then have them show up and actually have them available versus... Oh, yeah, here's 10 titles, but, you know, they're not part of the unlimited thing. So you have to go and buy them over here, and we'd be more than happy to let you buy them over here. Yeah, if they can if they can kind of expand this and, and integrate with Goodreads and, and, like, Amazon, you have so much potential in the world of books, except for the part where you're trying to buy a major publisher. I'm, I'm still skeptical on that. But... You know, there's there's a lot there's a lot that they could do for good and um, and for the good of reading, and I, I kind of hope that happens. We'll have to see because part of it is that their relationship with publishers is not good. 
No. And publishers have to deal with them because they're Amazon. But, they're stuck. They're yeah, stuck. Right, they're stuck. And so if Amazon comes to you and goes, by the way, how would you like to unleash your entire catalog and we'll, <laughs> we'll send you a small check every month? You can understand. They go, no. And you know that there, there are publishers now out there who are trying to get around Amazon and offering their own service for buying stuff, much as the music industry tried to do. Maybe they'll succeed, but I think Amazon is so firmly in that space now. It's going to be tough, I think, for individual publishers to, to try to get around this. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, oh, you know, before we leave, we should mention Apple's financials. Because, oh, yeah, tomorrow. That's right. Well, no, actually, sorry, yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. All right, well, so now you've given it away that we've recorded before <laughs> this, so we can't actually comment on what happened. But I will make, no. a, I will make a bold prediction. Apple's going Predict to make a, away. Apple's going to make a lot of money. No. Yes. Really? <laughs> in the billions. Not the mmms, but in the booze. <laughs> billions of dollars. Uh, let's say they're going to sell a bunch of iPhones, a bunch of iPads, uh, some Macs. Probably not a lot of Mac Pros, but they won't tell us. Um, what else could they boast about? Oh, they'll, well, they'll definitely um, probably drop the exciting new products coming later this year. Um, oh, yeah. Line if uh, if Tim Cook has anything to say about it, and or if the analysts have anything to say about it too, for that matter. Um, I I'm hoping we'll get at least one question about the Apple TV, probably from our friend Gene Munster, but maybe from <laughs> someone else. Um, and if uh, if Tim doesn't say, and so I'll eat my hat. <laughs> okay, well, good. So that's our prediction, and by now it's uh, it's a done deal, and uh, there will be, and there is. Because now I'm speaking in the future. There is lots of information about Apple's financials from yesterday, which is tomorrow. And, uh, and check Macworld for all that information. There's sure to be tons of it. And that's it for us for this week. So uh, we've is. done our prognosticating and our punting, And uh, it was enjoyable as always, Serenity. And likewise, Chris. Now I will return to the, the lovely atmosphere of, uh, of beautiful, breezy Boston, and you can return to your beach. I will. Thanks. All right. And that wraps up another episode of the Macworld Podcast, sponsored by Citrix's ShareFile. Enhance your workflow and send files of almost any size easily and securely. Lynda.com. Learn Apple software, the latest technologies, creative skills, and more from easy-to-follow video tutorials at lynda.com slash Macworld and Betterment, the most popular automated investment service with over 36,000 customers. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com. Thanks very much for listening. <laughs>